There are reasons why on your first week you might be a little nervous, uh, but in the house of the Lord, this is a familiar place. I've been here before. I've gathered in the name of Jesus Christ and I've sung songs and heard his word. And when that happens, we're brought into family. And so this is a familiar place to some degree for me, and it's such a blessing to be here. Uh, I wanted to give just a, a quick word of update on our family. Um, we had our uh, college-aged daughter uh, join us for Thanksgiving, and so she flew home uh, to Centralia, or to Portland, and then we drove to Centralia, I guess, on Tuesday of last week, and then yesterday I drove her back to school, uh, and then came the rest of the way, and she came with uh, my mother-in-law uh, this morning to be here for my first week. My dad and my stepmom, that Tom alluded to, chickened out, so I guess I'm stuck with his cooking, but... Uh, <laughs> Earlier in the service, um, I think Debbie said the more formal introduction. I was like, Tom's going to give a formal introduction. I'm not sure the two of those two go together, but uh, I guess we know what formal looks like. Uh, But uh, by way of update for our family, um, our house has sold. It's under contract to sell. And um, praise the Lord. Yes. Real estate, you know, things can go sideways and fall apart, but we're hoping not. Um, and so that's set to close on the 18th. Uh, so at some point during the month of December, I plan to, to head back to Centralia, help pack the family up, and, and then bring everybody. So we'll keep you updated uh, as that process goes along. Um, and then on this side, we've made an offer, and it's been accepted with a house over by Legacy Park. And so um, praise the Lord, and we're just going to dive in. Um, this week is a is a tough week for our family. Um, on Thursday, there's a there's a court proceeding for our youngest child, who's a foster child, um, and since he's still uh, cared for by the state of Washington, he'll be placed with another foster family following those proceedings. So, if you could be in prayer for me, as I'm not able to be there with the family um, and and help them as they navigate the grief of that moment. We've done this before; it's not new territory for us, and yet every time it feels like one of our own is leaving our family because that's, in fact, what's happening. Um, and so uh, that, that probably will happen um, Friday of this week. So if you could be in prayer for little Andres and where he heads and where he goes, we trust that God has him in view and has him in his hand. He's been such a gift for us over this past year. He came to us at five pounds um, and just tiny, and now he just eats everything put in front of him. And so... Uh, the Lord has, has been close to him, and he has flourished in our home, um, and so it'll be tough to see him go. But anyway, if you could lift our family up in prayer this week, that would be great. Um, I'm going to ask Brent to stand one more time and come up here. Um, we just want to say uh, uh, thank you to him. Um, appreciate you. Um, I, I came to NNU in 1996. Pastor Brent was serving with another guy, another pastor named Mark Pounds, uh, serving the youth group at Valley Shepherd in Meridian. And he let he and Mark let myself and another student by the name of Mark Walker come and just were I don't know if we were really interns or if we just kind of played with the students. Task you didn't want to do. Exactly. He <laughs> he didn't do much, but Mark and I did a lot. Um, <laughs> Traveled really well, I thought. We. <laughs> We had those kids, you know, those kids uh, were sent our way. Go go hang out with Trent and Mark. 
they sipped coffee or I don't know what, but anyway, so over the course of those years since that time, um, you've come to NNU and served as a professor there after um, doing some more schooling, but it's been a great journey with you, and when I heard that you were serving as interim here, uh, it was no surprise to learn that um, you have just grown a love for these people and they have grown a love for you, um, you're the series of interims that you've served here, and so... Um, <laughs> We don't want another one of those for a while. So are you guys okay with that? Hopefully you're okay with that. Uh, But you're welcome back anytime. But we know that you serve as pastor in another place and providing faithful ministry and leadership here has been a sacrifice for you and for your wife, Anne, and for your three kids. And so uh, we just uh, invited our people to write notes to you of thank you. And there's a little gift in here for, first of all, for your kids, because they gave up a little of it, having dad gone but also uh, a gift card for you and Ann to get away, hopefully, for a weekend uh, up at the Shore Lodge in McCall. So, anyway, blessings to you. I'm going to give you a hug. Blessings. Thank you for your ministry. Well, every once in a while as I preach, I like to start with the end. And here it is. This is the end of the sermon. As Jesus' followers, we should be the most hopeful, expectant people on the planet. Do you believe that? If you hear only one thing today, that's the thing I want you to hear. As Jesus' followers, we should be the most hopeful, expectant people on the planet. May that be so in our lives, I pray. Welcome to Advent 1. I, I trust that with Pastor, uh, Pastor Brent, you have been aware of the, the church calendar year. Uh, he came and began preaching here right in the beginning of June. I think his second week was Pentecost, um, and then uh, started a long journey through the summer of ordinary time, which builds to a climax at the end of, uh, end of November with Christ the King Sunday, which he was gone for. Uh, and you guys, <laughs> you guys had uh, Pastor Scott, uh, the district superintendent, last week. Uh, and uh, I, he will be coming and having a formal kind of installation service once my family arrives. So we're, we're going to wait for the whole family arrive, to arrive before we do that. And he probably lets you know that. But after, after Christ the King Sunday comes Advent. And with Advent, this, this, the church calendar cycle begins. Advent's an amazing season. It's a beautiful season. I, I'm so lucky to, to be sharing this part of the, the journey of the church calendar year with you. I took time this week to reach out to Tommy and Stephanie and to just uh, connect with them. Um, they were with family, and so we haven't had much time to, to shoot back and forth. But Stephanie's first response was to say how wonderful it is for you and for me to be together and to start this journey with Advent, a time of new beginnings, a time of expectancy, a time of hopefulness. And she's right. Let us start this year with firm resolve that together, as the Mountain Home Church, we will pursue Christ in all that we do and seek to not only bring the kingdom of God to this place, but to be the kingdom of God in this place for one another and for this community and for the world. I think that's a high calling. I think that's something we can, we can do together. Um, as we look to the lectionary text at the beginning of each church year, it, it takes us to a place that might be a little unexpected. If, if you have your Bibles today, or, or maybe you uh, have devices that have the text on them, uh, point them to uh, Matthew 24. Okay, Matthew 24. Some might expect as we, as we enter into the church 
uh, season of, of Advent and look to Christmas um, texts about Mary and Joseph and, and the journey to Bethlehem. Uh, but on Advent 1, uh, in all three lectionary cycles, it points us to an eschatological text, an, an end-of-the-world text, as you might uh, say. Uh, but as you turn to Matthew 24, we're going to start in verse 36 and read through 44. Uh, for those that are able, would you please stand out of reverence for the Word of God as we read. Reading today from the Common English Bible, starting at verse 36. But nobody knows when that day or hour will come, not the heavenly angels and not the Son. Only the Father knows. As it was in the time of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the the human one. In those days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. They didn't know what was happening until the flood came and swept them all away. The coming of the human one will be like that. At that time, there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, stay alert. You don't know what day the Lord is coming, but you understand that if the head of the house knew at what time the thief would come, he would keep alert and wouldn't allow the thief to break into his house. Therefore, you also should be prepared because the human one will come at a time you don't know. This is the word of God for the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, the first week of Advent is a great week to to start ministry at church. Starting with a text like this can be challenging. (laughs) We have end-of-the-world stuff. It kind of piques our interest. We have rapture stuff talked about. Uh, We have Jesus warning us to be ready. And there's a whole lot of directions that we could take a text like this this morning. Let me ask you a question. Do you have have know-it-alls in your life? Don't look... Don't look at your husband. <laughs> you have know-it-alls in your life. You have self-proclaimed experts on every topic that services. I don't think I have this problem. Uh, you'll have to check with my wife. Um, actually, I joke with my wife that the opposite is true, that I, that I know very little, and maybe that's why God called me to be a pastor. Uh, what I love about this text is Jesus isn't a know-it-all. We, we sometimes get this picture of Jesus as greater than human, right? That, 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 that he somehow had a, had a line to, to some greater knowledge, to, to knowing everything, that there was, there was no risk involved in his journey. He says, I, I don't even know. I don't even know this stuff. Not even Jesus knows the day. Not even Jesus knows the hour. Jesus, who might arguably have the best case to be a know-it-all never presented himself that way, never stood up and was the center of, of all, all the knowledge uh, that could be possessed. I did a quick search on, on the Internet. Isn't the Internet a wonderful thing <laughs> at times? I did, I did a quick search uh, on, on end-of-the-world predictions. Wikipedia has listed hundreds of dates of when the world was going to end, when it was supposed to end, um, some were fairly general, like, you know, Y2K was a big one, came and passed. Some very specific, listing the date, some the hour and the time. 
They separated them out into different centuries. Okay, you can go back to all the all sorts of different endings of the world. Um, the there's some people that are on there multiple times. They just, they just keep they they just keep guessing. We just the the point is we don't know. Why are people still guessing? Why do people still try to predict uh, this thing that is so elusive? But it got me thinking. It got me thinking about people who 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 expect that day. People who are willing to put their name on a on a prediction of that kind. And the question that I that I began to think about as I prepared for this morning it was this: What are the things that you expectantly follow? What are the things that you expectantly follow? These end-of-the-world predictors are all about this. This is their passion. They've got it figured out. For some reason, they're able to identify a date. But I suspect that we all expectantly follow something, possibly a few things. Um, I I know Brent and I kind of share a a passion for some Seattle sports teams. Okay, Seahawks are doing pretty well. Yeah, they're they're doing pretty well. Mariners? Yeah, we expectantly follow them each year to the bottom of the division, uh, and that's that's where they end up. It's just expectant. Uh, um, the Sounders, I don't know if you follow MLS, but the Sounders took home the MLS Cup this year uh, in glorious fashion. Um, serious soccer fans kind of roll their eyes at the American version of soccer, um, but some like to follow the European leagues. But who... Who do you follow? Do you remember this game called Follow the Leader that they used to play in the play? You, maybe you used to play in the playground. This is before devices, so <laughs> I know I'm old. Uh, but but a, a leader would be established, uh, the the leader of the line, and and they would they would journey through the playground and climb over the play equipment and bounce off the rubber tires that were buried in the ground. Um, but the interesting part of that is to. What I love to do is watch different children who tried to mimic, uh, mimic the leader or to follow the leader. There were those that, that tried to match every move and every expression. If the leader would smile, the followers would smile. If, if they would dip their head, then they would try to, try to mimic the movement. And then there were others that kind of like expressed themselves. They had their own journey. They had their own way of following the leader. I think our tech and social media world has kind of watered down this world follow. I, I, I follow 972 people on Twitter. What, what does that mean? I follow 413 people on, on Instagram. How can I do that? I can't do that. I, 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 I admit I, I had to look up those numbers. Uh, and that's what my that's what my device my device told me. There's a passive sense to that word follow that I think our world has created for us that that following doesn't require anything. It's just there. I long for those days where where following might mean something but there's there's there because there's another side to that word there's another type of following that I think comes into play when we talk about being Jesus followers that it's an active following 
that Jesus following is, a, is an active pursuit, something that, that takes our action. The reality of the human condition is this, is that you have a, a limited capacity. You have a, a maximum capacity of things in your life that you can actively follow. That we can't follow it all. That we can't be completely attuned to everything that's going on and everything that's in front of us. The world has too much knowledge. There's too much available at our at our fingertips. You see, you actually your social media sites know this. Okay, that's why the 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 algorithm does its work. It filters out a bunch of folks that you apparently don't really care that much about, and so you don't even see their stuff because the computer knows. Uh, they can't. They, their attention span isn't that broad, and so they help you out a little bit, if you want to call it that. Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that you have a limited capacity. Remember when he said uh, that it's impossible to serve both God and money. Jesus, Sermon of the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, said, you can't, you can't follow it all. But that's what we do. That's, that, that's, what, that's what people have done. Pat, the, 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 the desire to try to follow too much, the desire to jump in a little too deep and to commit a little too far is something we've, we've always done and something we've always needed to be warned against. Jesus calls us back to the time of Noah. Jesus doesn't reference the Old uh, Testament stories of, of evil things that humanity was doing. They're, they were just doing the human things. They were just busy living their lives. They were eating food. They were drinking. They were marrying, giving in marriage, busy with the things of life. There's nothing wrong with the things that the people of Noah's days were doing. They were just living their lives. And I think maybe that that's a great image of us today. That at times we get caught with the normal busy things of life. There's the kids and there's the grandkids. There's the sports games and there's the concerts and there's the recitals. There's the business meetings and the contacts to be made. None of these things are bad. In fact, many of these things are good. Many of the things that we spend our time doing and investing are, are all good things. But sometimes my capacity to expectantly follow is consumed and taken up by all of these good and wonderful things. And while we are in the midst of all these things that we love to follow, the sports, the kids, the passions, the hobbies, our, prim our primary follow, our first love, must remain Jesus Christ. We are Christ followers first, aren't we? Amen? And let me offer this word, this observation of the world for you. The world has been more than able to use up my following capacity. It's happy to do so. I love that little device that, that has all those apps and allows me to actually place phone calls every once in a while, but most of the time I do other stuff. But it, there's so much content. It's a gateway into so much that will swallow up and to consume my capacity to follow. And in order to set and to manage what you follow, you are required to use intent. That there has to be effort 
intentional effort. You've got to want it and you have to work at it if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to expect the baby who's on his way this season to come again into our lives and into our world to change the world. You have to set aside that time. And Jesus tells us why this intent is so important. It's going to be quick. It's going to be like a thief in the night. It's like it's like hanging out with a friend and then they're gone. You know, this whole text about the friend leaving, uh, it, it's, it's, it has become a basis for uh, this rapture-based eschatological end-time narrative that it's gotten kind of popular these days. Uh, we're not going to dive deep into it today, um, but really has has allowed this one text to really um, be overinflated and, and develop this whole theology of end times that is it doesn't really take into account the whole the whole narrative of scripture. And we can't we don't have time for that today. We got a reception to get to, right? So, um, but. Um, the point and the lesson holds true. Be ready. That's the point. Be ready. Stay alert. Being nonchalant about your following of Jesus Christ is not being alert. Just coasting on neutral, just rolling downhill is not what God has called us to. And the point is this, if the homeowner knew what hour of the night the thief would come, they would make it a point to be ready. They would be on guard. They might take a nap earlier in the day so they could stay up and be extra rested when the time came to chase the thief off or to catch them red-handed. The homeowner would be ready. Let me tell you a little secret. Advent's even predictable. There's... There's four Sundays coming, and then the baby's showing up. And we get to celebrate it again this season. It's, it's phenomenal. It's a celebration every year. It invites us back into that place where we see the wonder and the amazement of the gift of God sent for us. Advent is that hour in the night. Not when a thief comes, but the gift is given. Advent transports us back into those days before Messiah had come. That's why an eschatological text, that's why this this, uh, second coming text is, is so appropriate for Advent. It allows us again to change Uh, to wait and to wonder and want for the Christ child to come and to change our world. We are the watchful ones. We are the watchful ones for the second coming, but we get a taste of what it was like for those early Messiah followers that the Messiah had come. They had waited for generations. They had waited for centuries for this promised Messiah to come and to change the world. We're invited over the course of these four weeks to enter once again into the waiting expectantly. We are the watchful ones. We are the expectant and waiting ones. And God is showing up again. The baby is coming. And we get four weeks of warning. We get four weeks to gather and to celebrate 
and to rejoice together. This, is, this may be an odd invitation. This year, let's ache together for the coming of the Messiah. Let's just want it deep within our bones. Let's look forward to Christmas morning because Christmas is a lot of fun. There's so much joy at Christmas. It's so much fun to give gifts and to see children's faces light up. But let's ache for the coming Messiah. Let's remember how badly, how desperately we need the hope that the Christ child brings. Let's remember that without him, we're broken and lost. But with the coming of Messiah, we received the realized hope of a transformed life inside and out. The beautiful thing about the hope of Advent is it's not conditional. It's an enduring hope. There's, there's lots of things that can cause us to lose hope in the world today. Don't listen to too much news. There's lots of reasons. This hope is not circumstantial. This hope does not depend on, on who's in charge or, or who wins the election or, or what's about to happen or, or what the stock market does or what my investment does. This hope endures. It's not circumstantial. And that's why we light the hope candle today and why it will burn all Advent season long. For our hope is founded not in the circumstances of this world, but in the hope that the baby brings. This is the message that we proclaim today. As Jesus' followers, you know that active following? Not the neutral, not just on neutral, not just on cruise control. It's not a social media follow. As a Jesus follower, we should be the most hopeful expectful people on the planet. That's two characters, two, two characteristics I want to embody every day. Hopeful and expectant. And that's the invitation of Advent. God is coming, but let's ache together for God's arrival. Let's invite God into this place for this season. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. We're going to close with a song. But for, as, they, as they come, for this Advent, I choose to watch and to wait for Jesus because Jesus is going to arrive and Jesus is going to change lives. For this season in our church, I choose to watch and wait for Jesus because he will arrive and change lives. Let's watch and wait and so we can live hopeful, expectant lives. And let's be ready the baby's arrival. Would you pray? Heavenly Father, thank you today for the chance to gather in your house and to worship your name with your people. It's so good to be here and to, to have a chance today to, to look to the word and to be reminded today again of what it means to ache and wait for your arrival. The joy that we have today is that you're already present and we have, we have the chance to have you in our lives. But today, again, we're invited into that wakeful, hopeful spirit today. Would you be with us? Help us keep that sense of expectation all season long, that it can accent, that it can accentuate, that it can, that it can enhance 
this worship celebration that Christmas is. That you gave the good and perfect gift first, and now we follow suit. What a joy it is to celebrate this way. Be with us as we journey through Advent. Help us be drawn back to these words of life and, and into worship with you, not just on Sundays, but each day of the week, Father. And help us live hopeful, expectant lives today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've been challenged today, I invite you now to response. Perhaps today you realize you haven't been hopeful, that, that being hopefully expectant is tough for you in this season. Come confess today and reestablish that hopeful expectancy. Maybe today your response is to become more intentional about what you choose to follow. That I choose today to follow Jesus. The invitation as we sing today is that God has called us to a place further up and further in to the heart of God. Let's sing as you respond. I invite you to hold out your hands as you receive the benediction. May the God who comes this Advent leave you with a hopeful expectancy that you can hold and carry this whole Advent season leading up to the joyous celebration that God sends his gift. Messiah in the form of a baby, so unexpected and yet so exactly what we need. Go with God this week, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.